Merry Christmas and welcome to Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Azagari. And today we're going to be talking about one of the most legendary Christmas movies of all time. It's a Wonderful Life, 1946, directed by Frank Capra, starring, of course, Mr. James Stewart, a five-time nominated movie at the 19th Academy Awards. We went to the 19th Academy Awards a long, long time ago, like 90 episodes ago. Uh, you know, we talked about the best picture movies from that year, uh, best years of our lives. One, uh, I think it was pretty clear that we both have a deep passion for It's a Wonderful Life through that episode. And now here we are. This is our third Christmas here on Oscar Sunday and feels feels good to be doing this movie. We did Die Hard the first year of Oscar Sunday. Then we did Home Alone and now we're doing It's a Wonderful Life. It's a pretty good run. We're going to keep that thing going. It's a it's a cool subgenre, Christmas movies, and that's kind of how I want to open up. Of course, this movie is something we both try to watch every year. It's a wonderful life. But what else have you been watching uh, the past week or so as we are? It, it's Christmas Day today, so we're, we're recording on Friday night, the, uh, the 23rd. But, uh, you know, obviously, we've both been checking out stuff. So what have you been getting into? Well... I've been watching uh, a lot of 2022 films that I uh, missed, you know, for no particular reason. Yeah. And uh, it's I've, not close to the end of the year. <laughs> yeah. It's not like we have a giant award ceremony on the horizon that these films are going to be featured in. But um, I went and saw pretty much the highlight of the of award season for me, The Whale. Yes. Uh, and it was a incredibly depressing yet oddly uplifting film about just pure empathy and what it means to truly love somebody and look past all of their faults and love them for who they are and how difficult that can be. And it, I can't believe Brendan Fraser had it in him. I'm, I'm astonished that he was able to go to a place so dark, but knowing what he's been through over the past few years. I'm not surprised he, he, what he was able to tap into. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed his, I hope him and Aronofsky forge a relationship going forward. Cause he brought out something incredible from Brendan Fraser and the film made me sob. It made me reflect. It made me think it made me feel way healthier than I thought I was. And yeah, that is going to happen. You're, there's some scenes in that movie that are straight up gross. And it really, I've never seen a film tackle food addiction before, but the scenes of him eating feel like scenes from like train spotting of somebody shooting up. Like it is framed mm. like a straight up addiction that's going to kill him because it is. And I was, I was astonished. It was like, an, it was unlike anything I'd ever seen before. Uh, I urge everybody to go see this. I want this to be successful. I know this is going to make a splash come award season. And this is Brendan Fraser's Oscar to lose. So that is my, that is my highlight tonight. Hell yeah. That's, that's, that's exciting stuff. Uh, I have not been able to go see that. I've been been quite busy. Haven't really been able to go to the theater for, for this stuff. You know, I, I definitely want to see that. And I also want to see Babylon. So I'm hoping knock, knock those two out. Hopefully next week, got a couple of off days after Christmas. So uh, that would be, that would be nice. I don't know which one I want to see more. You know, I want to see the whale really bad because because it's Brendan because uh, it obviously impacted you a lot. 
but I want to see Babylon just because it looks like so up my alley, you know, it just looks so ridiculous and absurd and over the top. Well, um, the newest film gas member uh, team member, um, Isabel went and saw Babylon and uh, told me that it was quite, quite a film. Uh, she didn't tell me much cause she did. She said she didn't want to, um, she didn't want to affect, like she didn't want to give me a bias of the film before I see it, which is funny. That's, and um, so she liked it a lot and knowing her kind of like genre and what she prefers. I think that's an endorsement. So this is going to, it's going to be a historically interesting debaucherous early Hollywood Coke fueled nightmare. <laughs> yeah. And I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in for that. Yeah. Obviously love the cast too. And I have enjoyed most of Damien Chazelle's stuff. So yeah. Yeah. I, I, I want to see both. I'll, I'll try to make time. Um, Christmas movies. Uh, I've been, been kind of churning them out the past few days. I did. We both got to see confess Fletch. Yes. Uh, that's on that's on Showtime at the moment. Blew me away. Uh, I I had heard my my oldest brother Adam. He went and saw in theaters. He's the only person in the entire country, I think, that, <laughs> that went and saw in theaters. Uh, that's a that's a joke. <laughs> but he liked he liked it a lot. You know he he had a weekend where he saw like four or five movies in the same weekend. You know and just try to just use a, uh, he had a free weekend, just try to use it to see some movies that he wanted to see. And he, he said, you know, this one stands out just because it's, he said it reminded him a lot of the nice guys, you know, when, when, when uh, he was talking to me about it, he was like, you'll like it a lot. It's, you know, kind of a spy thriller, but it's also really funny and features John Hamm doing stuff that I just didn't really know he had in him. So uh, I, I agree with him and I'm glad we both, uh, you know, both enjoyed that. It's a, I definitely suggest people check that out if they have showtime. But as far as Christmas movies go, I've I've had a I've had a good run here the past few days. You know, aside from It's a Wonderful Life, I watched um, This Christmas from 2007, which is a movie my wife and I watch now. Uh, we watched it probably three years in a row. She introduced it to me. It's a com- completely all black cast. It's like Regina King, uh, Delroy Lindo, Loretta Devine, Idris Elba. Uh, just like fucking Chris Brown is in it. It's just got a crazy cool cast and it's just like a feel good, fun movie. It's cool seeing uh, a movie that's got an all black cast where it's it's just a normal family, normal Christmas movie. It's not, there's no, there's nothing that you have to like really go through necessarily. You're just watching a Christmas movie. So that's really cool. It's like a really, really good movie for representation. And I've, I've had fun watching it with her the past few years. Uh, it's something that that she enjoys, and now now I've kind of adopted it for my Christmas rotation. And then I watched uh, on Shutter Christmas Bloody Christmas. <laughs> that was uh, you and you and Caleb, I believe, kind of went to bat for that movie, and uh, I enjoyed it. I didn't love it, but I liked it. It was just fun, just a fun ride. I will say the first like hour completely blew me away, and I was like so locked in. I'm not a huge fan of uh, horror movies when they get to the end and there's just, is he, he's dead. No, he's not. He's dead. No, he's not. You know, it's just like, I just get fatigued, <laughs> but it was an impressive movie. I love the lighting of it. I loved how it felt like a rock concert. Uh, I loved the, the, vi- the gore, the violence was, was fantastic. 
I liked the performances. I thought it was really funny at the beginning because you had the two main characters. There's like a lot of sexual tension and a lot of kind of uh, pop culture banter that was really funny and kind of, I don't know, kind of on the nose for characters like that, but it was fun. I had a good time. And then after that, I went, went ahead and watched two of my all-time favorite Christmas movies, which is Black Christmas, 1974, and uh, Christmas Vacation, 1989. Uh, you just can't get, can't get a better double feature than that. Uh, Black Christmas, Jesus Christ. just I was introduced to the movie by Filmgasm about three years ago. We did it. Uh, you and I did an episode. And I've kind of just watched it ever since. And not even around Christmas. I just watch, I just like it a lot. You know, it's just a really, really good horror movie. One of my favorite 70s horror movies. And man, this time I just was like, all right, this is a 10 out of 10. This is a five-star movie. I just love this thing. I even added it to my... I have this thing going right now where I'm trying to figure out what my favorite 100 movies are. It's probably not going to make the cut but I added it to a list of like 150, 160 movies. So it's, it's in between hundred and 200 probably, you know? Uh, and so that's, that's cool. You know, I love when that happens and Christmas vacation, same thing, you know, it just keeps getting better and better. It's like each time I watch it, I find more joy, more humor. And, uh, you know, I fondly remember the experience that you and I had in, in, uh, in Los Angeles a little over a year ago. Now Um, it was in mid December last year. We went to Quentin Tarantino's theater, new Beverly and saw Christmas vacation and Scrooge double feature. And and so now when I watch it, there's also that attached to it. And what a special, you know, special moment. Uh, One of the cooler theater experiences I've ever had. So uh, yeah, it's been a good run, man. This has been, it's been a good Christmas watching week for me. Yeah, I know, man. I've been following your uh, updates and yeah, I love the way you told me you were watching Christmas Vacation. Just a, what, what was the quote you texted me? Uh, retooling? I'll yeah. retool you. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. He's watching Christmas Vacation. Like, yeah. didn't take two seconds. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just, it's just wonderful. You know, it's just a fun fucking movie and probably, and like, I'm not really kidding. I'm pretty comfortable saying this at this point. Like one of my all-time favorite supporting performances is Randy Quaid in that movie. Just lights out stuff. Like this is the that's the kind of comedic performance that no you know no uh, highbrow people are going to look at and take seriously. But I think they should. I really do. I think like what he's doing in that movie is really difficult to pull off, and he pulls it off exquisitely. He is. He is magic in that movie. Uh, I, I always get a kick out of him when he finally shows up uh, with his with his kids and his wife. And the the best scene for me is when they're at the at the grocery store and he just keeps fucking piling on, you know, like dog food and stuff. And uh, yeah, he's just he's he's perfect, perfect in that movie. So uh, yeah, good shit. One of my favorite random throwaway lines is when he's in the grocery store scene. We just asked Clark, didn't your company kill all those people in India not too long ago? Yeah. Clark's yeah. just like, no, we missed out on that one. Genius. <laughs> Genius that's, stuff. That's a great one. Speaking of Black Christmas, I've been saving that for, for Christmas Eve. Because uh, I watched the shit one for last week's uh, Beyond the Bad. And that, that was so bad. 
Oh God, that's how, so bad. <laughs> how dare that movie call itself Black Christmas? It's but, hilarious though. It's yeah. fucking hilarious how bad it is. <laughs> uh, my cousin who has a uh, gotten into like horror pretty like heavily over the past year i'm gonna i'm gonna show him black christmas so i'm looking forward to that uh yeah i've been kind of just going through my my normal christmas rotation i've i've recently learned at least as like at the moment my favorite christmas movie as we're talking is probably jingle all the way oh yeah sure i haven't seen that in a few years i should i should maybe throw that one on here in the next few days yeah it's it's a classic. It's hilarious. It just spits in the face of commercialism at Christmas and just has some of my favorite lines of all time. Yeah, that was really a bomb. Just things like that. It's can I get a bike and a slinky? No, your father's been laid off. Like, it's just such a perfect movie. Uh yeah, I love Christmas. I love Christmas movies. Uh I watched Bad Santa for the first time in a long time. That was a blast. Mm. Uh I've been watching a lot of stuff multiple times. I watched Jingle all the way like three times. Watched The Grinch twice. <laughs> uh, the big one, I'm, I'm trying to make time to, to watch the new Christmas story because I've heard pretty decent things about it. I've never been a big, big fan of that one. Uh, I don't know. If I'm going to watch, you know, Bob Clark, I know where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And actually, every time I watch a Christmas story, I am less invested. It's like I, I start doing other stuff or thinking about other stuff. I, I think I'm losing losing my interest in a Christmas story. So I, yeah. I get it. Yeah, no, yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. Uh as I've gotten older, I just I, I don't I don't have to watch things just because it's a classic. I'm more like, well, there's stuff I know I'm gonna have a lot of fun watching and that's that's different stuff. So uh it's definitely some some horror sprinkled throughout. So the next the, the one that I need to see um like literally over the next couple of days is Die Hard. Uh, I haven't I haven't watched that yet. You and I got to see my favorite Christmas movie, Batman Returns, in theaters on December tenth. So that's a couple of weeks ago, and that was an absolute blast. Yeah, it's been a good December. I've I've enjoyed enjoyed my December overall. Been yeah, I've been watching all kinds of stuff, and one of the better Christmas runs I've had of, of the past few years. So, uh, but It's a Wonderful Life is. You know, it it's one of the best. It's one of the best of, of these this subgenre. I think what I like about it is if it weren't a Christmas movie, you know, you change a few things about the plot, this would still be an absolute classic. It doesn't really lean into it a, a ton. Of course, towards the end, you know, there's the big kind of, you know, well, everybody's in their house and there's the giant tree and they're singing songs. and It's a great moment. But you could retool things here and there, and you get <laughs> retool, and you get uh, you 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 could have a great movie still, still called It's a Wonderful Life. You could still have Mr. James, you know, Jimmy Stewart, like batting a thousand percent, and you could have a movie dealing with an angel trying to get its wings, taking on this tough case, and this guy dealing with you know looking back on why his life is important and kind of reminding. Re- always reminding people that what you do does matter. So like that, that's always a, a lesson that can be great for any movie. It doesn't have to be a Christmas movie. That's one of the things I like about it. Yeah. Christmas is secondary to the movie, but 
it does have this timeless vibe of like, you know, just take a good lesson from this thing. You know? Yeah. It's not about, you know, Christmas is important, but it is, but it's not, that's not the message. The message is, you know, the, no man is what, what's, what is Clarence write in the book? No man is a failure who has friends. Like, yeah, that's, that's the message. And it's beautiful. Yeah. Like exactly that, that could work on its own, you know, and it does. And it, it does. I, I don't know. Do you know when this movie came out? Yeah, January 1947. Whoa. <laughs> so technically it's not a 1946 movie. It's a it's technical one of 1947, but competed with the movies from 1946. So it's got kind of that, that weird thing going for it. Uh, that's fascinating. So it came out after Christmas. <laughs> I like that, though. I, I kind of like that. A post-Christmas movie is is there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with watching a christmas movie in the middle of the summer you know it's okay i know but it feels weird and i never do it (laughs) i i do with some stuff i could watch christmas vacation whenever wherever i don't care you know (laughs) for the summer i've got vacation (laughs) yeah i don't like the other ones nearly as much as christmas vacation it's my favorite by far (laughs) yeah i'm with you (laughs) But I also like to, you know, make these films kind of once a year treats where it's like, oh, here comes December. Now I get to watch Jingle All the Way. Now I get to watch Scrooged. That's how I do it. But, you know, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sitting here watching fucking It's a Wonderful Life, you know, year round all the time uh, <laughs> around the clock. I, I know what you mean, because you part of Christmas is is what people do to build it up to what it is. You know, that's that's the whole thing is we when you put something down on a calendar for the entire world or nation, whatever it is, and you get people looking forward to a certain date and a certain time, you're going to build like an anticipation. And that's just what we do as people. Like we have to be, we have to look forward to things. And uh, Christmas is obviously probably the biggest example of that. It's the the day that people look forward to the most. Uh, While it has its issues for sure, it, it still can be what you make it type that it has that going for it and i definitely like to jump into lean into these movies during december because you know it is a little colder outside there is that thing kind of going around oh i'm going to be around family more i'm going to be you know doing this and kind of celebrating so it does feel right watching these movies like a like elf you know with will ferrell like you know it's it's got such a spirit to it that you're like, oh, I want to, I want to kind of embody that, that spirit, that kind of insane nature of this is so important. Christmas is the bomb. Like this is what we, you know, this is what I live for. There's something kind of, kind of neat and and silly, but also neat about it. True, and you know, the older I get, the more I find my Christmas spirit dwindling. So I like to hmm. use these films. Oh yeah, yeah. I hate it. It's like I feel like Halloween <laughs> yeah. was two days ago. And now it's Christmas and it's like, as soon as Christmas is over, it'll be, you know, St. Patrick's Day. Like, where does the, where does the time go? Yeah. As you get older, you start realizing, oh, this is all just a game. (laughs) You know, it's your cynicism, you know, obviously takes place as you get older. I mean, there was a stretch. Obviously now having a daughter, it's a, you know, it's a, she, the past five days, you know, leading up to Christmas, she's like, is today, you know, is it today? And I'm like, no, it's on Sunday. <laughs> and she's like, oh, that's today. I'm like, no, Sunday, <laughs> Sunday. And she's like, ice cream. I'm like, no, Sunday, the day. 
<laughs> you know, that like, come on, <laughs> let's get the, get this through your head. Uh, but there was a stretch there before I had before before I was a dad and before I met Brown and all this were, you know, age 19, 20, 21, where I was like, fuck it. I like don't care at all. I was a Scrooge for sure, you know, and uh, definitely not so much anymore, but I, I, I see through it. I work at a grocery store. Like I, I see, I see what this is. And, like our, the company I work for is making more money than it makes the entire year during this week. It's like, well, yeah, that that's what they want. <laughs> you know, they want you to buy useless things as you're walking out of the store. Like, Oh, look at candy cane, you know? And you're like, Yep, there goes another three fucking dollars, you jackass. You know, like that. It's a, it's a, it's a game. I see it, but you can, you do have the power to make it what you want it to be. The more we do these, the more I realize I met you at the best possible time. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Although it would have been cool if we would have met like in middle school. You just never know. You just never know like what, what, what could happen. You know, uh. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I definitely was kind of a dick uh, for for a stretch there. Still can be at times, but not as much anymore. Uh, <laughs> uh, James Stewart, we've talked about this guy a few times. I think it's been a while though, where we've actually done a movie of his or talked about him at length. Man, he can carry the shit out of a movie. No matter what it is, no matter how good it is, no matter who's directing it, he he has one of the most like singular just just talents that I've ever watched. And every time I watch him, I I realize that more and more. He's got one of the most recognizable voices of all time, and and he's one of those guys where it's like if he's not in it, I just don't know if I would like this movie as much. He he has. Just that, just talent oozing out of him. I I love this guy to death. He's become kind of an Oscar Sunday favorite, and it's it's cool to be able to talk another about another one of his movies. Yeah, the guy exudes star power, and not only that, but basic humanity. And he just feels like the kind of guy who would, you know, save his father's business and keep it going and thrive. You know, make this town thrive. Just so the bad guy wouldn't destroy it. I believe that he would do that. But mm, I also believe yep. he would, you know, accidentally witness a murder in his, in the apartment building across the street. It's like, I just, yep. anything he's a part of, I buy it. Cause he, he was a, you know, one of the first character actors. And I think that a lot of modern actors, you know, I think he's one of the guys that gets borrowed from a lot, even if, you know, people won't admit it. Come on, you're watching the same shit we are. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I love the guy to death. And, uh, this is this might be his finest hour, uh, depending on who you talk to. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of why I brought it up. Is I think it, it, it it's it's in his pantheon of of you know Titanic performances. He's he he has this ability to go, and I think this is what people steal from him most is he has this really really cool ability to go from zero to one hundred <laughs> without without being annoying. Uh, Guys that I feel like can do that really well, like Al Pacino, obviously is, is like so good at talking and then screaming the next second. And Leonardo DiCaprio has shown signs of that. Like, there's always guys like some of the best guys in the game. That's just one of the things you've got to be able to do is like be able to freak out 
but also kind of control control that and harness it. And James Stewart uh, in in this movie with what he's dealing with and like how he's freaking out. There are a couple times where he's screaming at the top of his lungs, but I'm not. I'm I, I I'm not thinking to myself, oh, this is outrageous. This is overacting. It feels feels fucking real. Uh, he's got that in him that that it factor, and I don't know, man. I for me, it's it's this rear window and Anatomy of Murder. Like that guy, like that's that's his gauntlet for me. Yeah, I I'm gonna add the Philadelphia story to that. Yeah, but, yeah, that's his yeah. Rushmore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If it's if you got to pick four for Rushmore, that's the fourth. But uh, yeah, I'm with you, man. Uh, there's scenes in this movie because he's got to play not just, you know, cheerful every man, but he's also got to be, you know, near suicidal, despondent, like end of his rope father. And in those moments, like you really see how far he can go. And, you know, he was this was also like right after he got back from serving in, in World War Two. So I'm sure there was some some trauma, some some something he could tap into there to go to the, a place like that. And you buy it. You just believe like, I don't, you know, j- you're just like, he is like, I do not see a way out of this. And mm-hmm. he's like, I don't know what to do the first time in the whole movie. And, you know, for a lot of people, like first time in, they've seen Jimmy Stewart be broken, which is crazy. This movie does does so many things that no other films in the forties were doing. And that's one of them to show a man, near suicide just like end of his rope a family man yeah i there's a lot i admire about this film yeah and i neither of us are religious people but uh, the way this movie handles him kind of like talking to god is like really interesting really fascinating you know when he's when he goes to the bar he's like god if you're out there you know like please please get me out of this and he literally he literally says "I'm, i'm at the end of my rope like I don't know what I'm supposed to do. It's such a fucking gut-wrenching scene. <laughs> well, and also the depiction of God in this movie is not, you know, the the white the man in, in a white beard on a cloud. It's like the universe. It's yeah. an ethereal, abstract God, which was probably pretty ballsy in the 40s to do something like that. And to show angels as like, you know, flawed beings trying their hardest. It's like, this is great. <laughs> like, like they're elves. Yeah, so cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, fucking Clarence rules. Out of boy, Clarence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, without yeah, let's let's jump in. Let's jump in. Let's uh, do some awards for this movie so we can really dig into what we what we love most about it, and then we'll briefly look at the uh, 19th Academy Awards. Uh, you know, five nominations, no wins, but we can still check them out. Uh, for best quote, we have the Quentin Tarantino Award. For the best music moment, we have the Inyo Morricone Award, uh, the best performance of the movie, the Philip Seymour Hoffman Award, and the best scene of the movie, the Roger Deakins. So take it away with your Tarantino. Uh, this is the scene where uh, Potter decides the best way to get rid of Bailey is to lure him to the dark side. Mm. And he offers him a job, 20 grand a year, and says, all you got to do is stop trying to save your father's business. Let the, build- the savings and loan or building and loan just go, let it go. And for a second, George is like, well, this is great. And he shakes his hand. And as he shakes his hand, he realizes, wait a minute, this is a deal with the devil. What am I doing? And he yells at Potter. He says, you sit around here and you spin your little webs and you think the whole world revolves around you and your money. Well, it doesn't, Mr. Potter. And the whole vast configuration of things, I'd say you were nothing but a scurvy little spider. 
<laughs> and he turns to his aide and he goes, and that goes for you too. And then he storms yeah. out. Perfect. It's a beautiful scene. I love it. Yeah. No, no. The answer is no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go talk to your wife about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Mr. Potter is such an ass. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a brilliant scene. Um, I, I love that turning point in the movie of, yeah, you could make, I think, I think the deal is 20 grand for three years like a contract, which obviously at that time is, you know, it's like a whole heap of money and you're going to be, have, have a stable life there for at least three years and be able to build, build your finances. And he's like, no, I, I can do, I, I, I can figure some things out on my own. Such a good scene and showcases Jimmy Stewart, just fucking, fucking at it. So um, I chose another scene where I, I feel like Stewart showcases something special. Um, the quote is from Clarence, but, the scene it's uh after he tries you know after he has been saved essentially by clarence and he's freaking out um going around trying to figure out what you know what's what's going on there's no no one knows who george bailey is you know and the most gut-wrenching part of that whole bit is when he goes to try to talk to his mom it's such a brutal you know brutal bit of the movie but really impactful and really necessary you really need to see that moment where he's like okay my mom doesn't know who i am i'm not you know i'm not real i don't i don't exist here and when he's walking away uh you know one of the most famous quotes of the movie is is from clarence after that and he says strange isn't it each man's life touches so many other lives when he isn't around he leaves an awful hole doesn't he yeah (laughs) really good delivery really big moment you got James Stewart just freaking out, great facial expressions, and you got Clarence coming in with the banger. You know, just a, one of my favorite moments of the movie. Yeah, and it's a great lesson. It's like you never really think about what your existence does to the world. You know, if not everybody's going to change the world, you know, in giant ways. You know, they're not going to be leaders. They're not going to be revolutionaries. But to just one person, you could be the world. And you got, you got to think about that sometimes. You know, when you're at the end of your rope and you're thinking, I don't matter, you do to somebody. Um, yeah, 100%. You know? Uh, yeah, I think I think this movie does... does I think they're... Uh, you know, suicide's obviously like a huge, huge topic. This movie takes it seriously. It doesn't really beat around the bush. But it also doesn't treat you like an idiot it treats each audience member as if you probably like the reason you relate to the movie is probably because you've gone through something similar. Now, maybe you didn't actually go to the bridge, you know, maybe not every audience member's been to that, the brink, but I think a lot of people are fucking lying. If they haven't ever been in a place where they're like, I wish I wasn't born. I truly, I truly believe that. I think when people put down their walls and are there, you know, they're, they become the most vulnerable uh, person that they can be. I think they'd be lying if they never had a moment like that, at least a moment. Um, some are lucky, luckier than others. Some people deal with it every day. Some people deal with every moment. Some people maybe have only dealt with it a literal, a literal second. You know, I, I definitely know some people who are like, no, I don't go there. Like, I just don't go there. I don't, that's not where my mind takes me. And I know some people who have done that, you know, who have, 
have, you know, ended their life and have gone to that place or tried, you know? And I love that this movie doesn't treat you like a fucking moron, but it also doesn't beat around the bush. It's like, it's straddling a fine line and it's 1946, (laughs) you know? This is like a really tough place to go during that time. And I point to movies like this when people excuse old movies for not being sensitive or not being truthful or vulnerable. It's like, well, but it, it can be done and it was done at times. So it's no, there's no need to excuse a movie that's just politically incorrect or completely insensitive because it was from the forties. We have examples and we've seen them on this podcast specifically on Oscar Sunday. We've done the work. We've researched these movies it is very possible. The movie that won Best Picture, Busters Are Lives, tough as nails. Like, tough as nails. And, like, you have to have a gut to watch that movie. And this, this is kind of the same case here. And I, I respect that a lot out of it. And, again, it's Jimmy Stewart going through this stuff, too. It's not, you know, sure, it's George Bailey, but it's Jimmy Stewart. So you're kind of, you're kind of put in a really interesting spot as a, as a fan of the movie or an audience member. And, and I, I respect the hell out of that, you know? Um, so once Clarence comes into play, I think this movie changes big time. Yeah, you're right. And I, I give most of that credit to Frank Capra. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's about time to bring him up. I agree with you. Yeah. That man is one of the most talented, maybe one of the top five greatest filmmakers of all time. The movies this guy made, the messages he was giving in a time where everything was mostly fluff it was held yep. back. You weren't allowed to be vulnerable, to be serious in film very often, unless you had the skill of a filmmaker like Frank Capra. Uh, I mean, his just right here on IMDb, his top four, his known four, It's a yep. Wonderful Life, It Happened One Night, You Can't Take It With You, and Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Yeah, just the Fuck. master. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, to me, the main reason why this film has lasted as long as it has. And... Yeah, a lot of the major themes of this film, he, you know, had final say of putting them in this and he believed in this and he believed that this was necessary to tell this story. And I'm I'm glad he had that kind of faith. Yeah, me too, man. Yeah, well said. Mr. Capra, you're the man. He is one of the most important guys, especially when it comes to the Oscars. He's just a guy that got recognized so fast, so quickly. And not only was he awarded a lot for his art, but his movies made money, they entertain people, and they change people's lives. So it's a, he kind of cr- checks all the boxes. <laughs> uh, good shit. That's a good first category. Tarantino always delivers. Um, the Ennio Morricone, best music moment. What, what do you got? This is, a, this, is a cool, this is a cool little category for us. I went with something a little bit less uh, serious, a little bit more goofy. Um, the Charleston Contest. At the high school. Mm, there you go. Great scene. Yeah. It's the scene where George and Mary essentially fall in love. Uh, dancing, dancing to Charleston. And then, you know, the rival opens the pool and nothing changes. Everyone's just still happy because you can't phase a man like George Bailey. And I, I love that touch when he they keep dancing yeah, in the water. It's beautiful. They're both doing it. They're both still smiling. Uh, yeah. That's the kind of love we should all strive to have when you can fall in a pool and you're still smiling. Yeah. Straight up. Straight up. I, I love that. I love that scene. It's like 20, 30 minutes into the movie. It's a good, good upbeat scene. It's got good choreography. A lot going on. The opening of the 
like platform to the water is like what the fuck is this you know it's out of left field it's great well i also love how george meets mary you know his buddy's like hey can you dance with my sister and george's like oh i'm sure she's got a great personality i don't want to do that and then he sees her and it's like they connect eyes and it's instantaneous yeah it's it's the it's the same as the west west side story moment of oh you know i see i see you from across the gym and here we are this is (laughs) yeah this is meant to be cinema (laughs) Uh, (laughs) yeah it's a it's a great moment i i struggled here because the end of the movie features some songs right when they're all singing in the house you know hawk the herald that's i i i love that whole whole bit and they sing um uh all 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 lang sign that it's tough for me to say i love that kind of like melee at the end it's such a beautiful moment. It's obviously when everybody comes forward and is like, George, you're the fucking man, dude. Like Bedford Falls would suck without you. <laughs> it's such a, it's such a cool moment. You know, uh, I, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've always thought this movie, uh, movie lands pretty well. <laughs> you know, it sticks, it sticks the landing. It, it could have gone so many different places. It could have been obviously a lot darker, but you know, he comes around, you know, Clarence does, indeed earn his wings and everyone recognizes george bailey as being a a a big time member of of this community and when they're all singing together and his brother comes in it's just such a sweet moment and i love that kind of melee of songs that they sing and the movie ends it's uh it's great (laughs) you know uh, as a kid the first time i saw it i i just thought like oh this is this is this is a good old movie. I didn't know those existed. <laughs> and, and, and now of course I, I think much differently, but I don't know the the ending is so solid. Um, and so this is where the most like Christmassy spirit comes out. Yeah. I had the same. I, I was uh, against watching this movie for a very long time because prior to filmgasm, I was very much like if it's black and white, if it's old, if it's boring, I don't want it. I didn't even, I was very much just like, you know, throwing whatever to the side without a care in the world. Me too. Me too. Like, so you're saying, let's see, before film guys. And so like 2013, 2012. So you're late, you're late, you're, you're like teen years into your late teen years. All right, yeah, I was definitely the same way where I was like, if it's not Scorsese or Tarantino, fuck off. Like, yeah. <laughs> just a, just a dude, just a fucking dude. Like just a straight guy who's like, I don't give a shit. I, I, I need to see violence. Uh, <laughs> and obviously now we've, we've come a long way, my friend. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad this movie actually is pretty instrumental in shifting me the other way. Um, mm. I mm. finally, my grandma, this is what, like, this is her favorite Christmas movie. And she'd been trying Makes to, get, yeah, she'd been trying to get me to watch this for years. And one day I relented. I don't remember why. I think I was, I think I got tricked into it. I don't remember how it happened, but it, it went on. I was there. I had nowhere to go. So I sat there and I watched it and I fell in love. This was an instant, like nine to me. I was like, this is beautiful. I was crying and I realized there's a much larger world of film than the one that I was living in. And since then, oh, I've just, yeah. I've just opened the floodgates. I'm still working on rom-coms, but everything else <laughs> I've, I've explored and I've 
I haven't regretted a second of it. So I owe a lot to this film and to my grandma for opening my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you need, you need those pushes, right? You need those pushes from people who really care about this stuff for you to, for you to kind of adopt their passion. Uh, that's partly what it's all about. And yeah, I, I mean, some of my very favorite movies come from, from this era, from this, yeah. you know, forties, fifties. Mine too now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And movies that I watch one time and I'm like, holy shit, that's one of the best things I've seen in my life. Uh, it's happened through this this show, through this podcast, a few times, and I'm very very grateful for that. I yeah, I really really don't care anymore. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of I'm not going to say I'll watch anything because I definitely am picky when it comes to my time. Yeah, but there is no genre, no time frame that I'm that's off the limits. You know, it's all it's all on the table. I'm not going to turn it down. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and be like, no, that's, that's got subtitles. Like I'm good. Or, or, Oh, that's black and white, black and white photography is some of the coolest stuff you can see. Let's bring this, let's bring that up. So I texted you, <laughs> I texted you. I, I, I was like, Oh, it's on Amazon. I, I own it's a wonderful life, but it is nice to have these streaming services. Cause it's so easy to go in and out and pause and all that jazz. Uh, I, it's actually probably the oldest DVD I have because it was my parents. I'm never giving it up. I'm never upgrading it. I'm never buying a Blu-ray. I'm never, ever going to upgrade it because it's it's like fucking breaking and it looks like it's been worn out, like it's been passed down because it has been passed down. I'm never giving rid of it. The plastic's about to come off. I don't care. I just do not care. I don't care to have the nicest version of some things that are like sentimental for me. Uh, but I texted you. They have, and I didn't really even know this, I, like the silly me. They have on Amazon. I was like, "Wait, why are there two? It's a Wonderful Life." Like, was there a was there a sequel? <laughs> what happens in that? Like, do we just get to follow Clarence fucking flying around? Like, that would be that would be kind of sick. <laughs> but it's it, it's it's a Wonderful Life, black and white, and it, it's a Wonderful Life in color. And I was like, "Oh, that makes sense." But I didn't really I didn't really know that until like a few days ago. And I texted you like, "Do you watch?" I, I, we had never talked about it. I've never watched it with you. I assumed you watched the black and white because that's 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 the, the original version. And you were like immediately like, fuck no. Like, of course I watched the black and white one. That's that's preposterous. <laughs> like, why would I watch a colorized version of a movie that was intended to be black and white that was made in black and white, you know, photographed in black and white? That's what I'm going to watch. And we were on the exact same page. And I was like, okay, cool, good. Because I don't, I don't want to watch this movie in color. I don't really, I'm good. I'm very against the colorization of film. I, I don't even like it the other way when like modern films that are made with a color, like with intention of being in color are then like turned into like a black and white noir film. It's like, that's not, that's not the vision. Like that's not what they were trying to make. I want to see what they're trying to make. Okay. Um, I see. Yeah. I saw, I don't remember what I was watching. I think it was something stupid, but it had a very, a very good point. Somebody said, um, should we repaint the Mona Lisa because we have better paints now? It's like, hmm, that's a, that's a good point. That's a great point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, should we? Yeah. I, I watch a lot of old uh, basketball games. That's like one of my favorite things to do in my, in my spare time is watch like highlights of like 
eighties basketball because, because it's grainy because the guys are wearing, you know, small shorts. The, the stuff that the fans are wearing is hilarious. You know, it's just a different, it's a different, you know, fashion, different culture. The production of the games is hilarious to me. Just the way they do things, the way they talk. I don't, I don't want that to be modernized. I don't want that. That's part of the the thrill for me is watching something that's from the eighties, like directly from 1985 magic Johnson versus Larry bird. Like that's what I'm going to watch. I don't need to see it with current production quality and HD and 4k and you know, like all that stuff. I don't need that. Well, I want, I want to go there and same here. I want to go to 1946 and what they were trying to do with this movie. I do. I am a fan of like, you know, working on the frame rate, making it look crispier. I, I am okay with that. I like a you know a Blu-ray transfer, a 4K transfer, especially on older films like pre you know pre nineteen fifty, when the film is so grainy. Oftentimes, you can't even see what's going on. Uh, like a lot of Chaplin short films have been redone in 4K, and they look fucking gorgeous. So I do like that. But if they were to give me you know a Charlie Chaplin short film that has been colorized, it's like. Well, Chaplin didn't want to do that. So why should, why should I like, why would I, why should I watch it like that? It it looks weird. It looks unfinished and it just takes you out of the movie. It never looks right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I definitely see what you're coming, see where you're coming from there with the the whole 4k movement is like, things look nicer. It's clearer. You can watch jaws and you're like, holy shit, the shark is right here. It looks, it looks really clean. I get all that. I'll take any movie as clear as I can get it. Yeah, I don't know. Part of me likes that 70s grain. I like that. That just kind of, I don't know, where it's like so clearly filmed on film. I, I like that. Yeah, I, I, I gotcha. And they do, I like when they kind of preserve that flavor when they release uh, like a newer edition of the film with more shit. A lot of times they'll ha- they'll still have that that vibe, which is that's good. The, the, hmm? that's, the ba- that's the balance you're trying to yeah. find. Yeah. The people who are doing this, who are preserving these films, they wouldn't be doing that if they didn't love these films. So they, yeah, yeah, they're trying to preserve as much of the film itself as they can, and most of the time they they manage to pull that off. Yeah, it's also about preservation. Uh, there's movies that we won't ever be able to see again because they got like ruined over time. Because if they're on film, it's very easy for that to get to get fucked up. Yeah. Which is why it's so cool when someone like Martin Scorsese does an entire project, cinema project, a world cinema project, where he's trying to conserve movies, save them, make a better version of it as far as clarity and, and definition. And now, now let's move forward and take care of this thing. That's really fucking neat. Yeah, That's why I have so much respect for the Criterion Collection, because their whole goal is to find the most significant films from across the world and provide the most beautiful restoration of those films that you can get. And I, I love what they've done and I love what they continue to do. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree, man. That's definitely my favorite attribute they have. Uh, Let's see. How did we get there? (laughs) I don't know. I don't remember. We were talking about the best music moments. And then I asked you about, Oh yeah, I guess it led to us when I was texting you while starting the movie talking about black and white versus color uh anyway yeah good stuff uh, <laughs> the, the phillips Hoffman award i mean for me it goes to one place but i don't know about you um best performance of the movie 
this is Jimmy's movie. I'm yeah. no one's taking yeah. it away from him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's just talk about second place if we if we want to have some fun. Um yeah. let's see. I do think Lionel Barrymore is is pretty pretty effective as Mr. Potter. That'd probably be my second place. I think Donna Reed is good as Mary, but it's not a like amazing performance. Thomas Mitchell's Uncle Billy. Of course, Henry Travers as has Clarence is a is a cool performance. Uh what do you got? I think I give second place to Thomas Mitchell. Um uh, yeah, Uncle Billy is just such a piss poor sad sack who regrettably, you know, nearly fucks them all into prison. Uh but him, you know, trying to find the money and just feel realizing like, oh my God, what have I done? Just feeling the guilt of like this is all my fault. And just seeing that in his face as he just collapses in his office, like he can't find the money. Great performance. Great bit of performance. Uh and then after I, you know, after seeing You Can't Take It With You, I got to see another side of Lionel Barrymore as a benevolent, good-hearted person with money, which is funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so seeing him as just an absolute shit is is cool. And he does a great job just being the worst human being on Earth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I feel like if your your name is Lionel Barrymore and you have the I, IMDb picture that you have, you got to be a guy with money. <laughs> you're playing a guy with money <laughs> well he's a barrymore you know one of the original hollywood dynasty families yeah yeah born in like the 1880s yeah yeah he just kind of was one of those one of those first guys uh yeah this, this movie's got a, got a really interesting cast uh i love the hierarchy some of these older movies have where it's very much based around a star and you try to get the best supporting pieces that you can around them but as long as you got that James Stewart big print on your on your on your movie poster, you're you're good to go. Yeah, for sure. I also just love the fact that he, you know, left Hollywood, joined the joined the I think it was the Air Force or the Army. I believe it's the Air Force. Yeah, he became a commanding officer, and then as soon as the war was over, he went right back to Hollywood and was still a star. Like that's fucking cool. Not a lot of people, you know, could could do could pull that off. People were oh, clamoring no. for more Jimmy. Yeah, he's he's one of like the best guys, one of the best leading guys. You know, the guys that can carry your movie, that can make you money no matter what if they're in it. It's one of the best people that has, that has ever been like carried that title. You know, uh, the, the guys that were around him. You know, uh, you know, you you think about like John Wayne types and Cary Grant types and. There's there's nothing like James Stewart. They have nothing nothing on him. Yeah, he had class. There was not a lot of class in classic Hollywood. <laughs> no, and and even now, um, I struggle to find someone who's like, yeah, that guy. That's like that's a good guy right there. You know who? He's good. He's gonna do it for the people. You know what? What what mainstream like movie star right now? I know we don't have a ton of movie stars right now. We're kind of in a weird phase where we don't quite know who are the most box office, you know, you yeah. know, fi- financial financially. This is going to happen if they're in the movie. We don't really know who those people are right now. But of uh, out of the movie stars, which one of them is going to go fight for our country? Like I don't, I don't, I couldn't tell you. It, it and not just fight for a country, but in World War Two, you know, um, I, I, like Brad Pitt. No, you know, like. Come on. Can you imagine like you're in the foxhole 
you know, they yell out charge. You look over and the guy you're paired with is Brad Pitt. It, which would be funny if it was now because Brad Pitt's like 60 fucking years old. <laughs> James Stewart at the time was in his late thirties when yeah. he, when he, when he went uh, overseas. So I don't know. That would be like, that'd be like a, like a, like Jake Gyllenhaal just turned 42 Ryan Gosling's around that age, like Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, like those guys. I mean, Chris Hemsworth's not from here, but it's those those guys, like that that you know, yeah. late like mid late thirties. I don't think any of those guys are doing that. No, it is interesting though. That you brought up like we're kind of losing star power. Oh yeah, it's a big. It's one of what's one of the problems that we have in in movies. Yeah, it's you know, event films have become the the main you know source of Hollywood income now. And it doesn't really matter who's in them, which is crazy yeah. to me. Like, you know, take Avengers. Like, is anybody watching the Avengers for the performances? Me, but not really anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, we're we're definitely the minority. I mean, I go, I go because the cast is fucking loaded. Yeah, you know, I I want to see a movie with Mark Ruffalo all the way down, you know, to Lupita Nyong'o, to Vin Diesel, to, you know, Zoe Saldana, to all these different amazing performers that have done so much cool stuff. That's part of why I go. But, uh, yeah, that that was brought up. I remember in that that, uh, podcast that went kind of viral with uh, Tom Segura and Quentin Tarantino, and Tarantino was like, this is, that is the problem, is, he's like, I'm not trying to say that these movies are shit or anything, but I'm telling you, people go because they're watching Captain America, not Chris Evans. Yeah. And 100% he's like, right. <laughs> and he, and he's like, he's like, dare I say that my movies, people are definitely going to see Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio hang out with each other. You know, like that's a big part of the poll is let's go watch these two awesome dudes hang out. True. But that's also another part of kind of the problem of the lack of star power is most people are going to see that because it's a Quentin Tarantino movie. Oh yeah. At this point, especially right. You know, yeah. this, this, this late in his career after so many movies. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I, I listen to some people try to try to name as many, you know, movie stars as they can. It, the list was bleak. It was very bleak. And a lot of people go to TV. They're like, uh, yeah, the same, you know, um, I, I got to do this also because this is where people are watching most stuff, you know, a someone like in any other generation of talent, someone, someone as gifted as Zendaya would just be in a shit ton of movies in her, you know, early to mid to late twenties. But what she's done is she's in euphoria. That's all she needs. <laughs> that, that has brought her to the forefront of, of pop culture that would have never happened, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. You know, you would, she would have had to just be in a bunch of movies. I'm not saying it's bad, but I definitely prefer people who kind of churn it out, which is why I love Timothy Chalamet so much is because he's been in so much in the past five or six years, working with so many cool directors. I, I like the choices he's making. He's definitely trying to craft a resume that is a movie star, but also an award worthy type actor, kind of like a Joaquin Phoenix or Leonardo DiCaprio, someone who's truly trying to craft something special, like a legacy. And I, I love that about him. We don't have a lot of those. 
I wonder if the you know one of the reasons we don't have a lot of those anymore is because kind of the dark side of Hollywood got cracked open a few years ago. That too, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. It just feels like we're you know Hollywood got wounded and it's still bleeding and the wound hasn't been patched up. Yeah, hundred percent. It may it may take some like waves of certain things for it to get to a place where we do have a lot of people that fans are going to see in the theaters you know yeah um part of why the whale probably won't make a ton of money it's like i love brendan fraser to death but the general person is not like oh my god i gotta see brendan fraser's new movie i think his fans are clamoring and they're like yeah i i gotta check this out uh but i don't think most people care you know um sad yeah gone is the day when you know a an actor signed with a studio for like eight pictures and they just slapped their name on the poster and whatever it was, you know, you went and saw it because they were like, Oh, there's a new Clark Gable picture out. Let's go check it out. That's, that's done. That's gone. Yeah. Long gone, long gone. And Jimmy Stewart is one of the guys who you could just be like Stewart and Hitchcock. That's all I need to know. Got it. (laughs) True. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking in. So yeah, he's, he definitely wins this movie. It's a wonderful life. It's he carries it with, with grace, but also an aggression at times. It's just a, it's an actor's actor's performance. Very, very true. Yeah. I don't think anyone else, no one else at that time is sincere enough to carry a film like this. Like, can you imagine like Brando as George Bailey? Burt Lancaster. (laughs) Okay. He could have done it. (laughs) Yeah, but I would laugh a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would yeah, I'd just be like, oh my god, this guy. Uh Lancaster's just so good at playing a drunk. Um he's the best at it. Uh, well the whole the whole time I'd be thinking like, well, when's the other shoe gonna drop? When's he gonna be revealed to be the con man who's building this town out of their money? Yeah. <laughs> building and loan, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm taking over this town. Uh, it, it ain't gonna be Pottersville. It's gonna be fucking Baileyville, bitch. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, Lancaster would turn this movie on its fucking head. <laughs> I'd, I'd kind of like to see it. Uh, <laughs> well, the the Roger Deakins Award favorite scene of the movie. What do you got? I'm very interested to hear. It's we we brought up already. It's always been the ending when the town bails him out, and you get to see just how much he's impacted the people of this town that they are like people are, you know, his, his mom like gives up on dinner with the president to go help his, like help him. It's, it's beautiful and it's, you know, endearing and it's capped off by his brother's toast of, you know, to my, to my brother, George, the richest man in town. Yeah. It's wonderful. And it's, it's beautiful. And you just can't, you can't stop smiling the whole time because it's exactly what George is always you know, didn't know he needed. But it, yeah, but it comes at the right time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, it's got, it's, it, it's great. Obviously I didn't, I didn't want to step on your toes. I didn't know that was going to be your, your, no. your, your deacons. No. Um, it's obviously got a movie magic quality to it where it's like, this wouldn't happen, but <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. It's cool that it does. <laughs> People don't, nobody's this, this carefree with their money. No way. It's uh, it's kind of like, well, we're, how, can I move to Bedford Falls? Yeah, like these people seem kind of cool. Like, where, where, where do I sign up? <laughs> I'm in. 
but it's I don't know. It's it's just magical. It's just a magical Frank Capra, James James Stewart moment of of movie making, and uh, we need that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, we do. And it's nice to get it from time to time. I like movies that remind us that people aren't, you know, 100% assholes. It's more like 94%. <laughs> the the 6% is better false. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The occasional like Midwest small town where people have known each other for generations. You get a pocket of decency, but everywhere else is pretty much just universally go fuck yourself. Just, just a shithole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, my, my favorite moment is I, I kind of alluded to it earlier. It's the it's the turning point of the movie for sure. It always most of the time a scene like this would creep up on me. But this one, every time I watch it, I'm like, I forget how late in the movie it is. It's when he meets Clarence for the first time. When he actually takes himself to the bridge. And then you hear help, help, help from Clarence in the water. And then they go up when, when Clarence is changing and, you know, uh, George is, George Bailey is speaking about his problems and like, you know, what's going on, how he, you know, wish he wasn't born. That scene in that room, like defines the movie for me. It's such a brilliant kind of mono mono for a minute there, it's mono e mono e mono, and the other guy's like, "I'm fucking out of here. <laughs> this, <laughs> this guy's insane. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get lost," which is also really funny, but it's also just a methodical, really well executed scene, and that's that's the moment where Clarence is like, "All right, you know, you don't exist. All your problems are have gone away. Your lips stop bleeding. <laughs> everything, everything that you think is is real is is not," and. You know, obviously the movie changes. It's, I just always forget it that 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 moment's at like the hour and forty mark of this movie. It's really just the last thirty minutes where you're going through him kind of going crazy, losing his mind in Bedford Falls. Like, well, why, why does or well now Pottersville? Nobody knows who I am. You know, uh, and it's got some really funny moments, but also some really dark moments because of that. They do it. They do it really well. You know, that last. The, the kind of the kind of final act of the movie is is just wonderful, and it's all kicked off with that that meeting with Clarence the the first time they see each other. Yeah, and it's built up so well. Just you know this. Oh yeah, this angel who sh- tells George like, yeah, I'm an angel. I don't have my wings yet. And George is like, oh okay, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> and then just leaves, and he's like, Ugh. and then he starts realizing, you know, the bartender doesn't recognize him, the cop doesn't know where he lives. He's like, something's fishy here. And, you know, for me, it all it all comes crashing down when he goes to his brother's grave. Oh. And learns that, you know, with his, when he never saved his brother, his brother was never in the army. So his brother never saved those men on the on the ship. So thousands died because George didn't exist. <laughs> it's like, fuck. <laughs> the the yeah. butterfly effect at play here is it blows my mind every time. I don't think I've ever done anything that noteworthy in my life. <laughs> how how like, would you know? Yeah, that's the thing. Is every time I watch this movie, I'm kind of like, have I done something like really important? <laughs> you know, I I don't know. I you wouldn't know until you meet a Clarence, an angel who's like, hey man, you actually have done some good stuff here. You know, you're actually not as bad as you think. Uh, but you don't want to go. You don't want to go there. You don't want to come to that moment. You know where an angel literally has to save you, 
your uh, guardian angel. Uh, but it's it's really fun to watch. It's really interesting to watch. And uh, I, I've always kind of thought about this movie. When this movie is in the rear view for me, and I'm kind of, it's, it's you know, something I haven't seen. In this case, I haven't seen it since we, uh, well, I think I watched it last Christmas. I think I did. But I, I rewatched it for the episode we did on Best Years of Our Lives. And, I, you know, every time what I think of is these moments of him kind of going crazy. James Stewart, like, Wah! you know, take me to take me to my house. And the cab driver's like, hey, this guy's fucking crazy. You know, like he's talking to the cop like, hey, you might want to watch him. You know, that's kind of what I always think about when I do reflect on this movie. I will, For me, it's when he comes home after losing the money and he's just lashing out at his family. Oh, he's, dude. Is that like, correct? <laughs> why do we have to have all these kids? <laughs> like, Jesus. <laughs> Jimmy, <Hey>. calm down. <laughs> it is. It is kind of funny, though, when he's like, yeah, if you're going to play the tune, play it right. <laughs> you fucker. Yeah, just like she's like five. <laughs> uh. Oh, God. Yeah, this movie makes me laugh, makes me kind of tear up and all the emotions come out, so. So for you, it's a nine out of 10. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yeah, it's, it's a solid eight, close to a nine. It's one of those kind of like, it's a hard eight. <laughs> uh, I don't really know exactly what's holding it back. I'm not sure. Not sure what it is, but I've never kind of leveled it up to, to, to that. Uh, but it, man, it's very good. It's a very good movie. Certainly a very strong movie from that decade, uh, the 40s, which did have some fluff, did have some kind of easy, just, you know, just, Simple filmmaking, but occasionally you'll find kind of a, a gem. This is one of them. True. I have a feeling what's holding it back for you is the fact that the Clarence stuff starts so deep into the movie. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, if it started, I don't know. I feel like it's the right timing. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it is my favorite stretch of the movie for sure. But I do. I do like like the scene you brought brought up for your Tarantino. I love that scene. You know, the stuff between the stuff in Bedford Falls, pre-Clarence it, with Mr. Potter and with his business and kind of trying to um, take, a, t- you know, go into his dad's shoes and, and, and take that path is very interesting. Very, like, very good stuff. And I like some of the flashback stuff, like, like the scene when he saves his brother, I thought was a really cool scene. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe that is a part of it, though. You know, that only 30 minutes of the movie that 30 minutes is a 10 out of 10. You know what I'm saying? And then the rest is, is strong, but not, not 10 out of 10 material. So maybe that, maybe that is it. Yeah. I had a feeling I makes sense. Yeah. God, I love Clarence. <laughs> so I love when they're at the bar and he's like, uh, James Stewart's like, I worry about you fella, little fella. <laughs> like you have any money? Oh no, 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 <laughs> no money, no food. No, I'm just, He's just like such like a little meh. <laughs> I'm just hanging out. I love after they throw him out of they like Nick has them thrown out of the bar and he goes to the cash register and he's pushing the button. He's like, look, I'm handing out wings. Everyone starts laughing. I'm like, yeah, you are, yeah. buddy. You're ringing bells. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I love I love that. Yeah, I'm handing out wings that people are like, oh, how did I get those? That the bartender, Nick, cracks me up in that scene. He's like, what do you get off knowing my name? Huh? <laughs> it's such like a, 
He is just hamming it up in that scene. I love it. Yeah, my uh, we watched it tonight. My uh, my grandparents informed me that that guy, I guess, got typecast as like a gangster in radio dramas and TV episodes because, of course, he did. Yeah. Huh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, <laughs> fucking James Cagney Light over there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if James Cagney is Coca Cola, then I mean, this guy is like shitty grocery store midwest brand you know that yeah. no one's heard of <laughs> great cola or something like that yeah. yeah yeah just like my the grocery store i work at has a like heb cola and it is so bad it just does not taste anything like coke that's kind of why you know i i equate them i'll never <laughs> understand people who buy that stuff on purpose it's like for like a buck extra you can have something good <laughs> The only one that I like is, you know, and it, the big red one. It's called Wild Red. It's almost the exact same. I love Big Red. Mm. I tried the Wild Red and I was like, this, one's, this is pretty close. But like the Dr. Pepper one, shit. Coke one, shit. The Sprite one, really bad. That Wild Red is the only one that tried. <laughs> I wouldn't know because I fucking hate Big Red. Ah, yeah, I know. A lot of people tell me, like, oh, you like cough syrup? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I did at one point. I used, yeah, but no, I, li- I love, I love, <laughs> whoops. Uh, <laughs> I do, I do, I do like Big Red a lot. It's, it's also kind of a Texas thing, you know, uh, Big Red's definitely a, a Southern soda and I just, I just drank it growing up and still, I still like it. I understand why people paid it though. I don't even like cherries. Fuck me, right? <laughs> It doesn't even taste like it tastes like liquefied bubble gum, and I just okay, that's fair. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in case you didn't know, the wild red at HEB in Texas is close to the big red. (laughs) Oh man, this has been fun. Um, 19th Academy Awards, 1946. Uh, let's see. It's a Wonderful Life nominated for five altogether, which doesn't seem like enough, really. Um, I don't know, right? Doesn't five seem a little, little low? Well, compared to you know when we did this ceremony and we saw what the competition was, you're goddamn right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I should have said that. That's a good point. I mean, I we're a little we're a little um, split on best years of our lives. I really, really, really liked it. It is very long. But I have just not seen a movie like it. I don't know. It just felt just felt fresh to me for its for its time period, and I don't know. Again, just tough as nails, and I I, I really responded to it, so I, I was okay with it. Kind of doing doing some some damage, but it's wonderful. Life is not far off in my mind, and might be deserving of more recognition if that makes sense. It's a movie that I don't see how you couldn't like. No. So. I don't know. I've always kind of tried to set aside my personal admiration for stuff and like what everyone is going to enjoy. Well, I was I was talking more about the other three movies. Oh, the other three suck. Yeah. yeah. Henry V, The Razor's <laughs> Edge, and The Yearling were shit. All three of those were shit. Y- yeah. Like, I, I don't even know anything about them anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I, they're just gone. They're yeah. just... Whew. Best years of our lives for me was a solid seven, like not a bad movie, but I feel like with a couple more watches, I could, I could get on board. I could probably, I could probably find something in there, but these other three movies, they've been flushed out. I don't, 
<laughs> I'm, I'm not thinking about them anymore. Like I'm good. Yeah. I'm totally, I'm totally good. Uh, now with that being said, you sh- people should still watch them for themselves. You just never know what's going to be up your alley. But for you and I, we were pretty aligned with those other three. We were like, no, nah, these are not for us. Uh, which makes it one of the like weaker best picture showdowns we've ever done. Yeah, we want at least I think at least three solid movies is a good year. Four four is great. Five is beautiful. But two, and for me, like basically one and a half. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Typically, you get at least two real movies, at least with these five. These years that have five nom- nominees. Like what comes to mind, you know, like nineteen sixty, you get the apartment and Elmer Gantry, and you're like, okay, I'll take those to the bank. I'll I will take those. Then you also get like the Alamo and Sons and Lovers and Sundowners, and you're like, those were shite, you know, like those those were just no good. Uh, but they're not like like it's whatever because those other two are so strong. You're like, it was worth it. It was worth doing the research to get Elmer Gantry out of it. And then you, you know, you get a year. Uh, what's something we've done more recently? Like 2000 comes to mind. Chocolat. I'll take it or leave it. But there's other, there's other four. I fucking dig a lot. You know, traffic, Aaron Brockovich, um, uh, gladiator and crouching tiger, hidden dragon. Fuck. Yeah. Give me, give me those movies all day. That's a good group. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say four is kind of the dream. It's I don't think we've ever come across a year where all five were awesome, like all very deserving. 2007, but they like, do they really deserve it over 310 to Yuma, Zodiac? You know what I mean? It's like, nah, you know, they're, they left stuff on the table that year. Closest we've come yet is 1948. Aside from Hamlet. Yeah, aside from one, Hamlet. Wonderful. Four incredible life-changing movies. You know what? Yeah, yeah. Those are so powerful. Um, especially Sierra Madre. Jesus H. Uh, uh, 1979. That's five good movies. You got you got you got um Norma Ray and all that jazz, Apocalypse Now, Kramer's Kramer, and, and Breaking Away. Like, it's a cool group. It is, but you know, for me, I wasn't that. I wasn't that turned on with all that jazz. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, Mr. Bob Fosse, which was why it was so cool to know that you liked Cabaret, uh, 1972. Uh, well, Cabaret made sense. <laughs> yeah, all that jazz is pretty, pretty fucking out there. Uh, but Roy Scheider, though? Yeah, that guy rules. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's a Wonderful Life. First category, best film editing, uh, I guess is, guess is where we'll go. Uh, film editing we've always said this is it's a good way to to look at most of these movies are usually going to translate to the best picture category so uh, the winner was best years of our lives Uh, the other nominees are it's a wonderful life the Jolson story the killers and the yearling Uh, you know Jolson story and the killers you know those are not movies that are in best picture category but the other three are oh my god I have we gotta see the killers yeah, I was just about to say, what is that? You know, I mean, that is Burt Lancaster's album? film debut. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yep. Ava Gardner, Edmund O'Brien, based on a short story by Ernest Hemingway, co written by an uncredited John Houston. Stop. 
<laughs> Wait, so Burt Lancaster plays Ernest Hemingway? Is that what you're no, saying? No, the, the movie is based on a short story by Hemingway. I was about to say, holy <laughs> Christ. Because <laughs> if anybody can play Hemingway the right way, it's yeah. fucking Bertie Burt. Oh, man. Yeah, that's that sounds great. I definitely want to see that. Um, in terms I'll of, see, I'll see anything of Bert though. Yeah. He's yeah, he's got that on me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, in terms of what gets this award, yeah, I'm comfortable keeping it with the best years of our lives, considering that was working on you know three separate stories intertwining them together. That film had to edit quite a lot, so I think it it pulled it off. Yeah, yeah, and it's long as shit. So I always tend to lean towards the ones that if they pull it off and make it a coherent movie while, like you said, intertwining stuff for sure. Um, best sound recording. Hmm. Love that. I love that name for a, uh, well, it's best sound comma recording. <laughs> why, why can they never get this right? <laughs> I don't, I, I, I don't know. Um, what's this movie? The Jolson story one, that category. Beating It's a Wonderful Life in the Best Years of Our Lives. What's the Jolson story? That is the, it's a biopic about Al Jolson, the uh, okay, guy who okay. starred in The Jazz Singer, the first uh, talkie. Okay, okay, that makes sense. I figured, but I didn't know, I didn't know that existed. Yeah, he's, he was pretty, you know, before we realized blackface was a bad idea, uh, he was pretty idolized in Hollywood for, yeah, um, yeah. But then we were like, wait a minute, this is really fucked up. And we stopped talking about him. Well, I'd be interested to see it just to see like what was at one point popular. Um, yeah. I mean, the very fascinating. Least, it is the story of like the first movie with dialogue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's in quite a few categories I see. So, yeah, um, let's see. Let's do uh, actor. Um, it's a cool group. You got uh, Friedrich March, uh, one for the best years of our lives, beating Lawrence Olivier <laughs> for Henry V. Larry Parks for the Jolson story, Gregory Peck for the yearling and James Stewart for it's a wonderful life. What a group. I, I mean, I'm giving this to James Stewart like for sure. Uh, but this is a like Titanic group of, of performers. Yeah. All for like work that they shouldn't be nominated for. <laughs> like Peck and Olivier should not be here. Their performances are not Oscar worthy in those films. No, they were guys though. That didn't have to do a whole yeah. lot, especially Olivier. That's true. But yeah, Jimmy Stewart is, you know, at top form here. I think he deserved this. Yeah. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a movie star's performance. It's batting a thousand percent. He's, yeah, he's lights out. Um, best director. William Wyler wins for the best years of our lives. Yeah. He beat David Lean for Brief Encounter. Frank mm-hmm. Capra for It's a Wonderful Life. Robert S- I don't know how to say that. Siodmak? Siodmak? I don't know. For the Killers uh, movie, we obviously need to see in, in research. Uh, and Clarence Brown for The Yearling. So, uh, this is tough. Weiler and Capra obviously are kind of going toe-to-toe here. We probably should see The Killers before we make that make that call. I'm going to go Capra slightly. Just a, I don't know, this is just a certified classic. Didn't you watch Brief Encounter? I think I did. Uh, yeah, that looks familiar. I think I let me let me look that up. I'm pretty sure I did, like for the episode. I think. Yeah, because I, I remember you say, saying something about that. 
I'm, I'm looking up right now. I mean, that's so many movies ago. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, fuck. 1945. Yeah, I've seen this. Yeah. I have seen it. Hour, hour and 26 minutes. I probably watched it on Criterion. Must not have made much of an impact. No, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> not at all. Once I saw Celia Johnson, I was like, yeah, I have seen that. Yeah. <laughs> It is cool to see William Wyler, David Lean, and Frank Capra go up against each other for Best Director, three of the you know most incredible directors of the 20th century. Uh, but yeah, Capra, just because I like the movie more. Okay. No, I did like that movie. Wait. I watched this for a different... Wait a minute. Oh, I know what I did. I watched this for The Lost Weekend because I saw 1945... Because we did remember we did the best for showdown oh. not that long ago. I liked this movie. This is this is a, that was a good one. Yeah. Now that I'm like I I looked at the poster and I was like, wait a minute, I liked that. <laughs> that, that was yeah, that was like oh, three months ago. Uh, yeah, that was a good movie about a a woman who uh gets caught like in a love triangle essentially. That was really good. Yeah. Uh yeah, that was on Criterion for sure. And I remember like, oh, I'm going to watch extra 1945 stuff for that ceremony. And it wasn't even at that ceremony. <laughs> Dumbass. <laughs> I've heard of it. I know it's a it's a beloved film and I, I would like to check it out. And I've never been disappointed by David Lean, everything I've seen. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. This is that's hilarious. This is it's all flooding back. Uh, <laughs> God, I think I watched too much stuff. <laughs> I don't think that's ever happened to me where I've I've completely forgotten a movie I enjoyed. I I that's happened. I I was looking back at all the movies I've watched uh, throughout 2022, and I was like, Jesus, I forgot about that, but I liked it. <laughs> you know, just 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 you just things just kind of come in waves, and you you I just can't stop. Yeah. And then I throw. I think I think my thing is I watch I watch a lot of lot of sports. And I just get lost. I just get lost in where I'm at. What am I? What am I doing? <laughs> what form of entertainment am I? Am I uh, you know, inhaling tonight. Um, yeah, brief encounter. Fuck me. I definitely like that movie. That's so funny. Uh, I forgot about that. I think I explained that on the episode of Lost Weekend that I I should have watched a different movie from the actual ceremony we were talking about. But here it is, coming up in an organic way. <laughs> Brief encounter. David Lean, my man. Uh, I'd still go Capra though. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. That was that was fantastic. Yeah, Capra. <laughs> After all that, so really, all I need to see is the killers, and to have a full scope of of the category. That's <laughs> funny, considering like you know our obsession with Burt Lancaster and. Ah. This is one we sh- we might want to add to the calendar next year. <laughs> just for fun. Just for fun. I've thought about doing it. I've been thinking about doing an Adam McGantry like, uh, show and just centering around Burt Lancaster and just watching as many of his movies as, as we can. That could be a chance. Because Gantry, you know, he's a winner. So it's a winning winning performance. Don't threaten me with a good time. Yeah, and <laughs> to rewatch Elmer Gantry for the show, to do awards for it. Yeah. Our Gantry, one of my definitely one of my 100 favorite movies. It's going to be on that list. Uh, God, that's it's so good. Uh, let's see. Best motion picture. Best years of our lives takes the win, beating Henry V, 
It's a Wonderful Life, Razor's Edge, and The Yearling. It's a coin flip for me between Best Years of Your Lives and It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, the other three are like getting lapped like 45 times. It's not even a close race, you know, but uh, these two movies are, are solid. Uh, I give this, when I think about it in the way that we've kind of been doing Best Picture Showdowns more as of late, I would give the edge to It's a Wonderful Life because I just, I don't think a person with a pulse couldn't enjoy this movie. Best years of our lives. I understand that there's people that are going to be in the camp and be out of it. It's a wonderful life. If you're not in that camp, like get the fuck out. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is a beautiful film. It would have been cool to see a Christmas movie also be a best picture winner. I don't think that's ever happened. Yeah, that would be neat. Yeah. It's actually kind of limited. The like Christmas movies that we can do on like as far as Oscar nominated. You know, you got you got some random ones. Like I really want I, I think I want to throw a Scrooge on this on the schedule for next year. I think that'd be like a really unique one to do. Cause we've done Die Hard Home Alone and it's a, it's a wonderful life. It's like, whoa, we need to pump the brakes. We're doing <laughs> we're, we're that's three of the most, you know, gargantuan Christmas movies. Uh like Nightmare for Christmas is one we could do. Yeah. There are there are movies that were out for stuff, but there's there's not as much as you'd think. Uh Miracle on thirty fourth Street's always a that's a Two we could do. Yeah. I think the the shop around the corner has a couple nominations. Yeah, that's a good call. Um, Car- Carol is a 2015 movie that's uh based on Christmas time. That we could get kind of outside the box. Yeah, if it hadn't been for Brendan Fraser's comeback, we probably would have been doing Batman Returns a couple weeks ago. Yeah, see, we could save that for years years down the road. Yeah, I want to always do a Christmas. Yeah, movie uh, for around for for Oscar Sunday, the Bishop's Wife. There's that's my last one, but yeah, we've got <laughs> just only doing, yeah, it's basically this just with yeah. Cary Grant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> take your take your pick. Yeah, but we've got you know since we're only doing really one a year, we've got plenty of ammo. Yeah, yeah, we should be good. I just don't want to do all the classics right away. I want to kind of like like Scrooge is kind of a unique one. You know, uh, people who like it, love it. And then other people just haven't seen it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I I did that on Filmgasm. I did way too many classics way too fast. And now we're kind of scraping, which isn't, you know, I'm learning. I'm, thanks to, you know, Josh and Caleb, I'm learning about a lot, a lot of uh, other weird Christmas horror movies. But yeah, I kind of did everything big all right out the gate, which I regret doing. Hey. That's just, yeah, just uh, room to adapt. And and as we do, I mean, as years go by, it never hurts to redo something with different people, different guests, under a different scope. Uh, think about how much we've changed over the past just three years as movie fans. You know, uh, I was listening to our Black Christmas episode and I was like, this is pretty good, but I definitely have more to say than I did three years ago. That's for sure. Yeah, that's good. You know, if we had no growth, would we even be doing this anymore? Yeah, no, no, no. I just feel I just feel crazy if I was thinking the exact same thing I was thinking just a week ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah, this is this is fun, man. I love I love doing this shit. We always get some some uh, unique moment. Uh, this week it was the brief encounter moment. Uh, <laughs> God, it's so funny. You were like, "Haven't you seen that?" I'm like, "No." And I looked, I looked at it and I was like, yeah, I have. I like that movie. Uh, 
yeah, the story of your brief encounter with brief encounter. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's literally an hour and a half. It is brief, and yeah, no, I, I definitely liked it. Um, it was definitely it was definitely for the lost weekend. Uh, that it was for that episode. Uh, doing a little forty stuff. I want to say, what's that other? Can't remember the name. There's another. What did I watch that for? That Burt Lancaster movie where he actually plays like a full on drunk. Uh, what did I watch that for? Um, the fuck is it called? I watched those around the same time. I feel like it wasn't a fantastic movie by any stretch of the imagination, but Burt Lancaster was like off his rocker. I feel like it was in the fifties though. Um, yeah, I'm going there now looking up. I remember you talking about that movie. Um, why did I watch that for? I might have just done it for the fuck of it. Because um, it's Bert. Come back, play Sheba. That was it, right? Yeah, Sheba. Yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah, God, he's just fucking lights out. He's so scary in it. Um, that was ni- 1953 Academy. Um, all right. I wonder why I would have done that. I don't know. 1953. So same year as From Here to Eternity. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Awards and honors. Shirley Booth. But he wasn't up. No, he wasn't. Which is which is crazy. 19, I'm sure this is riveting for our audience. <laughs> just reading, just reading stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but now I'm like, I need to know. Um, okay. Great podcasting. Yeah. Just. <laughs> Uh, that's fucking hilarious actually it's not even because of the fucking not even at that awards yeah different ceremony (laughs) yeah i i don't know what it would have been uh because yeah he was up for here to eternity elmer gantry birdman of alcatraz in atlantic city (laughs) what a cool run uh what a guy we've we've talked about three of those movies already yeah from harry to eternity we did a best picture showdown gantry came up on a showdown atlantic city came up on a showdown that's crazy do you think because this is about a recovering alcoholic this also might have been for the last weekend i don't think i knew that though going into the movie i don't know I'm not sure it's gonna come to me and i'm gonna text you later tonight and be like oh this is what it was for Okay, this was at the this was at the nineteen. This was the greatest show on earth awards. And what did we? Viva Zapata. Ah, good call. Ah, good that was call. Bother me all night. Good call. <laughs> yeah, that is exactly right. Definitely, I was trying to watch other stuff like from that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good call, Viva Zapata. Uh, man, like. I- I haven't forgot about that movie. I actually really enjoyed that episode. I thought it was really good. Uh, but we just uh, immediately, I'm like thinking about whatever, you know, whatever's next. And, you know, what, what's the next episode? What are we going to do? You know, what's what, when's the mummy coming? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is hard to, you know, we got to kind of, you know, dump the tank and start refueling pretty quickly with our, with these shows. Uh, but I always like to find something that stays, something sticks around. Okay. So that's part of, that's part of the, the kind of the, uh, the science behind it. Like the project behind it is 
there are movies that we've discovered through this that we bring up over and over and over, you know, and I think, I think that class belongs to Sierra Madre for sure. Elmer Gantry, those two get brought up all the time. After that, there's probably a drop off as far as just like the influence, but personally for both of us, we've had things that are like, wow, that like really like just leveled me, you know, uh, when we did the Chinatown episode, I finally watched Lenny. And I was like, oh my God, is this Dustin Hoffman's best performance ever? You know, you have those moments of your own personal um, movie journey. And they, they they stick with your, they really do. They stick with your heart and your mind. And when you need to bring up, bring them up and talk about them, uh, it's it's fun. It's really cool. Yeah. It's all about, you know, finding what matters to you and, getting more ammo for the conversation that's constantly evolving and growing and, you know, transforming in ways we didn't really expect. Yeah. Straight up, man. Straight up. Uh, speaking of what well, we don't know what's coming next, <laughs> we, we we're going into a new year here. <laughs> this is crazy. Next time we do an Oscar Sunday episode, it'll be in January of 2023. But before that, we do have a couple more episodes from film guys and productions for Filmgasm and Beyond the Bad. Uh, this Wednesday, New Year's Evil. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's the Filmgasm. Uh, <laughs> Got to do something New Year's New Year's Eve. You know, it's, it's, it's just around the corner. Yeah, I know pretty much nothing about this. This is a blind pick. I picked it entirely because it's called New Year's Evil. And uh, doing it with Josh, He's I'm, I think he's a fan, so he'll pretty much be guiding me through this weird movie. Yeah, I, I can't say I know much about it. 1980, right? Yes. Yeah. Who's who's in it? What, what what's the holiday slasher? Guy calls a DJ on New Year's and says, "Every time New Year's hits a new time zone, I'm killing somebody and I'm gonna stop. Like you're the last victim. So that's what's gonna happen." And he starts slashing people on New Year's. I don't know how he's getting to all these time zones so quickly. I'm. I guess well, I'll find out. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Got a. 4.8 on IMDb. All right. A 33 meta score. Okay. Here we I go. I think it's rocking like 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. This could have been a beyond the bad, but you know what? My selection process was not as thorough as it usually is. <laughs> <laughs> this is the rare occasion where the movie that you're doing on Beyond the Bad might have better scores. It's waiting. The, yeah. 2005 film Ryan Ryan Reynolds, uh, fucking Justin Long, got a got a crazy cast. Yeah, 6.7 on IMDb, 30 Metascore, not great, but hey, uh, this movie's got like a cult behind it. Um, yeah, I'm not quite in that, but I do like waiting. I do like it. I liked it way more after I worked in food service, and then I was like, oh, okay, all of this makes way more sense now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I like it kind of as a time capsule. It's very 2005. Ryan Reynolds just doing what he's got to do. <laughs> it's yep. pre, Pre-Deadpool money, pre-Deadpool fan, you know, um, stardom. And there were there were times in his career where you're like, what is, what is that guy doing? He's just like, he's in Van Wilder and waiting and all these, you know, like just kind of shitty you know low quality movies but hey i don't know i kind of like some of them yeah he's pretty much just you know this is you know, van wilder working at a restaurant or van wilder 
as a chubby guy in high school. It's like it's and now he's like Van Wilder as a superhero. Let's be honest. He never stopped playing Van Wilder. <laughs> That's true. What's the one where he's chubby in high school? Just Friends? Yeah. I kind of like that movie. That movie hit so fucking close to home in so many ways. <laughs> I liked it because I'm like, yeah, I went through something similar. I, yeah, I, I kind of like that movie. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest. Um, there's a scene in that movie that sticks with me. I think they're at the mall, and the guy falls like over like a balcony type thing. And it's one of those kind of silly throwaway moments in a movie. But when the guy falls, he's like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and and nothing else happens. Like the the scene just continues, and you just hear you know Ryan Reynolds keeps doing the walk and talk. Me and my brother Jeremy always thought that was so funny growing up. You know, we, like if, if if Just Friends was on TV, we'd be like, "Oh, has that has that moment happened yet?" <laughs> the mo- the moment at the mall. Oh my god, that's awesome. Uh, only only Jeremy would understand that. You know what I mean? It's one of those <laughs> things. Um, also, uh, cool news. Um, provided all goes well over the next week, uh, we will be recording episode three of Fake True Stories. Uh next week which means early january release for pocahontas oh yes <laughs> i will i will be tuning in for that my friend yeah yeah that oh I, i'll save it but i i hate that movie with a passion for what it does to american history and how disney thought they could just do that and no one would notice it's like oh i don't get it so i'm looking forward to digging into how that movie came about and how anybody greenlit that shit. Yeah, dude. Oh man. Yeah. I, uh, I can't wait to hear what you guys say. I can't wait to hear what Isabel has to say about it. Uh, that's going to be fascinating. I definitely one of the most annoying movies <laughs> of all time. <laughs> you can't do straight fairy tales and then do one historically like historical film and just completely change an entire generation's view of of native american history because a lot of people think that's how it went down because that movie was so successful and that that's dangerous yeah it's the danger of, of movies and like utilizing history uh just yeah it's very dangerous for people who don't want to read and do their own research so you know it also comes out like in the middle of you know fucking lion king and like hunchback and you also got the you know the pixar the toy story and you got goofy movie coming out you know it's now now yeah so many great memorable unforgettable disney classics and then you got pocahontas yeah no thanks uh yeah okay cool cool so 2023 is look, looking good the first episode of oscar sunday is gonna be a little different for 2023 uh we will be doing a 2022 draft it's definitely gonna be uh connor caleb and myself we might have an extra guest. We'll see. Hopefully, it'd be really cool if we get four people for that. We're not going to be giving awards to any specific film. We're just going to be doing a draft, highlighting the stuff we liked from the year. Uh, and then at the end of the episode, we'll kind of talk about what we're excited for for 2023. Kind of looking ahead. Everybody can kind of pick some favorites that they're, you know, that they're kind of circling on the calendar. Uh, so, I, yeah, I'm super excited. We'll kind of reflect on our, you know, what we thought about the year as a whole, what we think about movies. Uh, you know, the state of movies right now. And it's going to be a good, like, cathartic episode, but also just fun to pick movies we like, uh, steal movies from each other. Uh, there's nothing like a good draft. 
Yeah, this will be a cool change of pace, kind of open the year to a little bit more experimentation, which yeah. is always good, you know, change the formula a little bit, keep things from going stale. Always a good idea. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so, yeah, stick with us. We got we got a lot of cool shit planned for next year. I'm super, super excited. It's going to be a good, another good year for Filmgasm and company. So, uh, you guys keep following us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, at Filmgasm. Check out our website for new reviews and random stuff. And uh, Merry Christmas, guys. Have a good day. Be safe out there. You know, enjoy enjoy the holidays as best you can. And uh, we'll see you guys on Wednesday.